Hello there, Vlad here. Welcome to Cat Pick Fridays, episode number 17. And once again, I'm joining by Richard Morgan, who's waving hands, and you're not home, it seems. Hello, how are you doing? No, I'm in a different top-secret location <laughs> filming this week, but... Otherwise, I'm very well, and I hope you're the same, Vlad, and everybody watching this. I hope you're all oh, good. Yeah, thanks. Yes, top secret location. Uh, I, I don't know. I kind of like that background. <coughs> There's just something about it. Like, kind of feels like your mean business with all the files and stuff behind you. I like it. Oh, I do. Th these are all very important files with top secret information that I that I can't Obviously. share with the world under pain of death. <laughs> Well, that that got grim fast, <laughs> I guess, <laughs> in a way. <laughs> Fun show today as well. Uh, we are going to dive into a bunch of topics. Yes, that's how these things work. Uh, but first of all, I want to remind you again that this show is available both on YouTube and Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And actually, we're on other podcast sharing platforms as well. I completely forgot that. Just checked some of the stats on Podbean recently and realized that, hey, we're on other platforms as well. And actually, a bunch of our view or listens are coming from other platforms than Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So we're there as well. But yeah, if you want, you can enjoy this in a video podcast format or in an audio format. And we would really appreciate if you enjoyed the show and want to give us a like, leave a review and leave us a comment, question, topic idea, anything like that. We are here to serve you, so to speak. This is an inter interactive thing. So if there's a topic you want us to discuss or you got a question or a comment, something like that, leave those below as well. And I also want to remind you that there's timestamps to everything we do here. So if you want to jump into a certain section right away, timestamps for that in the description. Today we're going to dive into the new boss. Well, new is probably wrong. The boss anniversary editions of the SD1 and MT2, which are the Super Overdrive and the Metal Zone. Those things are with 40 and 30 years old already, so that's quite something. That's yeah, I know. Yeah. Uh, we're going to briefly talk about how Jason Becker is doing and all the support he's been getting lately. That's been super inspiring. Uh, there's a fun article on, uh, I think it was, yeah, on Guitar World where Misha Menso talks about his hate for guitar solos, or like he hates writing guitar solos. I think that was a fun read. And we're also going to dive into one more list, top 10 electric guitars for beginners in 2021. More lists. Yay! Uh, and in host confessions, we are going to just answer the question, like if we weren't playing guitar, like, or maybe even like if we would start all over and could decide which instrument we would pick up, what instrument would that be? And in my guitars, we'll check out a semi hollow Ibanez that I had, which actually v reminds me very closely to the one Rich has as well. And in the weekend watch, we'll dive into our friend's band and their live show or like pre recorded live show at a pit bank forth but i think it is time to dive to recent happenings and talk about recent events all right as i mentioned boss the boss of uh, compact pedals 
has released two anniversary editions, basically there's an all black SD1, the Super Overdrive, and all black Metal Zone. Not that Metal Zone was uh, like that colorful to begin with, but now it's <laughs> all black, which probably makes it even more metal. Personally, I like both of these editions, like keep them kind of the same they were, but just add a little bit of flavor to celebrate. And I'm actually happy to announce that I got one of those pedals on the way to my place soon ish. So that's kind of cool. I also forgot how affordable the SD1, for example, is. It's $60. I think that's a great price for a classic pedal that still sounds good yeah, to this $60 day. Yeah, $60 and 40 years old. Like, this pedal is way older yeah. than us. It's like, how how is it still yes. relevant? That's testament to how good it must sound you know there are so many people over those 40 years who have used that pedal and others like you know the ds1 to just get amazing tones and there are so many boutique overdrives these days but people come back and back and back to these bosses it's it's funny it's great i love it yeah and i, I love that color scheme yeah. as well by the I, way I, yeah definitely like there's a I don't know, like celebratory feel to them for some reason. Like they look different, like a bit more, I don't know, boutique maybe, especially the Super Overdrive because like black with some like gold and stuff, it looks like, hey, we're celebrating. Yeah, so the, like the standard pedal would be like a bright yellow, right? With black text. Yeah. Yeah, it looks really, it looks more expensive, but it's not going to be, is it? It's going to be the same price as the normal one. Does it seem like? Yeah, that's the thing. Like it seems like it's priced Exactly the same. Uh, do you remember whether the Waza version of the SD1 was different color? I know the Metal Zone looked pretty much the same as the original one. Like the Waza version of the MT2 looked pretty much the same. Actually, I'm going to check quickly. I don't remember that. I, uh, I only remember one version of the SD1. That's the totally standard one. And I don't think it was included in that yeah. special 40th anniversary set with the three colors, was it? No, that would have been a DS1, I think, that was in there. Yeah. And there is no Waza version of the SD1, is there? There's just a standard version. Uh, actually, is there? there is, but it looks exactly... Yeah, it looks pretty much exactly the same as the standard one, except it has the SD1W on it, and then there's like this ah. WazaCraft thing on the foot switch okay. itself. And <laughs> that one is 150 euros in Finland. So there's a qu quite wow. a difference in price <coughs> compared to which the version are you one. getting? Are you getting the anniversary version? Yeah, just just the Very anniversary cool. version, which I actually kind of like. And like if and the cool thing is like there's gazillion different modes available yeah. for those as well. So if like I want to find you it at some point, I probably can do it myself at home. Just get a couple of components. That could be a fun video if I end up end up doing something like that for that. But I haven't actually had an SD1 ever. I've had the, what's it called? They did something with JHS. Uh, the the uh, Angry Driver, Angry Driver yeah. But was, yeah, but was it SD1 and then something else? That was the, the SD1 and the yeah. JHS Angry Charlie, right? Ah, that's true. Oh yeah, it was the ah, Blues, the blues driver, driver and the Angry Charlie. Charlie. So it's not the same. So I've never had an SD1 then. Like, never had the SD1 sound. Yeah, uh, I've I'm never excited. owned any that analog be... Boss Overdrive. I'm currently playing around with the OD200, really? 
which is kind of like the you know the hybrid modeler of 12 different effects pedals and has like the OD1 and it has the blues driver and it has other pedals in it as well boss and non-boss but I don't think it has an SD1 in it it has a metal zone in it and I haven't yet mm. managed to make that sound very good although I think that's possibly more to do with me than it is to do with the pedal yeah uh I kind of want to get the MT2 as well at some point, just because um, this it's been two or three years since I did the Ref G3 versus the Metal Zone comparison. Uh, I'm still kind of like looking back at that video. I'm still surprised how good the MT2 can sound when you just tweak it a little bit. It's like a very old school kind of trash metal sound. That's pretty much like the only sound it does, but it does it really well and. Having that on the board would kind of be fun. It's because to me it leaves somewhere between like a fuzz and a metal pedal, and I could see myself. Yeah, using it's that like a, it's a totally classic pedal as well, and everyone you know everyone talks about it as being the worst distortion. But that's I think only because it is possible to make it sound bad, in in our opinions, yeah, you know. The controls are but it's super like sensitive. it has great tones too, yeah. and I think it's one of your most popular videos, isn't it? That one, and also. Oh, de de definitely. Yeah. Like, I think top three. Yeah, exactly. Maybe. So the interest so. is still there in that pedal. And I think one of Ola England's most popular ones is his Metal Zone video, which is called something like the worst pedal of all time, question mark or something. And of course, he proves that it's <laughs> not. But it's that's what we want to believe, you know. But I think every guitarist should own a Metal Zone. Yeah, so I'm going to buy one too. Maybe this yeah. one, because I love that all black yeah. look. Yeah. It's great. It, it but I, I love the idea of limited edition versions of pedals which are affordable. There have been a lot of pedals that came out recently in limited yeah. runs. For example, uh, Chase Bliss did a few, and this is nothing against Chase Bliss or anything, yeah. but those pedals that come out in limited quantities get snapped up by people straight away, and then you can find them on reverb the next day for massive prices. And I'm sure that this SD1 and this Metal Zone, these versions are going to be limited, but a Boss limited edition is going to be limited in a way but available to all basically for an affordable price so i, I like yeah, that a lot it, yeah definitely and i think the way the, as i mentioned a few episodes ago the way the boss usually the boss well that the boss of compact pedals i'd say uh <laughs> the way they, they usually release pedals is that or like just gear a lot of the gear the day they announce the stuff it's available yeah. in most of the stores even like a local store here in Finland, they, like in my city or nearby, uh, the Katanas and well, what's the other classic amp series they had? Uh, I've, well, uh, Next Stone and like a bunch of other stuff. The day that stuff is announced, I could walk into the store and get one. And I bet these pedals are available already as well. And as I mentioned, it's what, $59. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. Really, really yeah, cool. funnily enough the only boss pedal that I can remember in recent times that wasn't like that was the Tone Bender, which was made earlier this year using NOS parts, and they could only make 3,000 of those. And I think that one was also about $350 maybe, and that sold out straight away. But mm. everything else by boss, once you hear yeah. about it online, you can buy it in a store. So that, that's wonderful as well. as well. Yeah, I love that. Moving on to the next thing, uh, we mentioned about Jason Becker. I, I'm just going to quote one article on guitar.com, but there's a bunch of articles that I read. Uh, recently, he has had a bunch of health issues. And uh, because it's US, like people with serious diseases, especially if they're like, he, he has had ALS for 30 yeah. years now. 
uh, it's incredibly expensive and the amount of support he's been getting lately like Joe Satriani and Steve Weiss and Jay, like all kinds of people Paul Stanley for example uh, Jeff Loomis Mark Tremonti guys from Trivium and bunch of other people have been like auctioning their guitars to support his medical costs that's, that's been amazing and I'm also happy to hear that he's doing better again but ah uh, the ah if is for the American health care system because I don't know it doesn't yeah he's fair. had a very hard time and I think yeah the, the positive thing we can say about it is it's amazing how the community is pulling together to to help him I think that's fantastic and it is a really really tough time tough. for him you know especially since corona has happened it's made everything so much more difficult yeah. for people who were living with pre-existing conditions and diseases and so on and yeah, I, I, I'm very happy to hear that so many high-profile people as well are also putting their hands in their own pockets and auctioning guitars to, to help him because he's a, an integral part of the guitar community, you know? He's, a, he's a, an iconic figure. Yeah, definitely. That was uh, just another positive yeah. thing to read, like so many people helping, helping out. Just I know it's great to read some like positive news every now and then. And <laughs> going from positive to... Uh, <laughs> negative, I guess. Uh, this was a fun read. Misherman saw in uh, an interview. Uh, let me check what podcast he was on. Uh, yeah, guitar players. Uh, no guitar is safe. Podcast. Misha was talking about how he hates doing solos, uh, in the sense that, like, when he's writing a solo for an album, he uh, like talks about uh, him immediately thinking like damn it, I will have to do this live as well. And that, like, that's in his head all the time. He feels like he's a rhythm guitar player, but uh, apparently in their band, nobody wants to be, like, the lead guitarist. So they're like, well, no, it's your turn. No, it's your <laughs> turn to take this solo. <laughs> Which is crazy when you think about, like, on what, like, a level technically and just musicianship-wise the whole band is. Yeah, but, it's... Like, I think it, it was great to read stuff like that from, from someone who's this successful to be like honest about it. Like, hey, this is something I struggle with and I yeah, really I appreciate like that. that. Well, I, I don't like it, but I like to be able to read about his honesty and the fact that he has self-doubts about doing solos. And for me, it was the, the mm. issue about, yeah, reproducing it live is a problem because what fans hear on the record these days they expect to be perfectly recreated from the stage and you know we all know if you play live if you do anything in front of a camera if people are watching you lose something quite often you know and it's not always easy to play your very very best so if you're playing music like periphery what misha plays very very complex stuff and suddenly you come out with some finger melting solo in a weird time signature and you have to recreate that perfectly because there's a bunch of fanboys in the front row watching that's hard that's pressure you know i think it's very different to the old days yeah. i don't think back then people were expected to totally recreate note for note complicated solos whereas today with sites like Instagram and TikTok and lots of people who learn these things note for note, you're expected as the originator of them to be able to play them. And if you don't, something's wrong. So that is definitely an extra level of pressure. Yeah, that's like... 
Yeah, the thing is like when you put out a song, there's immediately like several videos that's like yeah, like solo, like teaching. Is yeah, there are people on YouTube who are so good that within like four hours, you know, every time Misha will do a new song yeah. or a new solo, there will be someone doing a lesson of it. And I'm like, how can you even listen to it in that yeah. time, let alone dissect it, learn it, tab it, and make a video in professional quality showing people how to do it? Crazy. Sp speaking of that, like the English song we talked about was yeah. a couple of weeks ago. I already saw, <laughs> saw a video on that. Like somebody had made a full cover of that song. Like, how? <laughs> how are you doing that? Like, there's so many notes to dissect in that song. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. I would be interested to see a, vi a video of someone talking about the mix of that song. Because, you know, we discussed as well how it kind of sounds yeah. a bit unique in places. I would really like to hear someone like Glenn Fricker or someone who can nail the mix, for example, just yeah. explaining True. why that sounds like it does. I think that'd be very cool. True. But yeah, overall, like, I really appreciate Misha's honesty. And like, as you mentioned, like, in modern metal, I feel like there's absolutely no room for any kind of improvisation or anything like that. It's like, as you mentioned, people want to hear everything reproduced to the note and like even production wise, like a bunch of backing tracks and everything needs to be added. And I feel like, well, I understand that you also kind of lose some of the elements in that. And yeah, not sure what the solution to this problem, I'm putting it in quotes is, but yeah, I can totally relate to Misha, and uh, I also like when I gr was growing up, I would have loved to be able to play all of those crazy solos. Now I can play some of the solos I wanted to play as a kid, but I don't know. So somehow, like the amount of time I need to spend to be able to play that one solo, and how little it, like how small part of the whole song and everything it is. I think I've kind of um, decided that I'm not going to put as much emphasis yeah. on that and just focus on like being a better rhythm player and just production and stuff stuff like that instead because I just don't have the time. Yeah, the, the, the one thing for me about solos is also that I've only learned very few guitar solos in my lifetime and most of them have been the most simple Angus Young ACDC ones. And I also noticed that as I'm looking at a tab or watching him playing him trying to put my fingers, you know, where he does on the fretboard, what I can do is reproduce the notes, most of them, not all of them, but most of them. But what I can't seem to do is get that same kind of energy and feeling that he nails into those notes. And I feel like it's, yeah. it's such a personal thing, guitar solos, there's so much emotion attached to it that when he came up with them, when he wrote them, probably spontaneously, he was there in that moment and what came out was this amazing thing. And I just, I struggle with recreating that. And I think that's also a difference yeah. with modern solos, the stuff that Misha and the progressive metal guys play. They're so technical. I think the emotional side is also a little bit gone these days. And it's a lot more about how many notes can I play in the shortest amount of time as you see a lot these days on Instagram, and there's been controversy yeah. with people being accused of speeding up their guitar tracks and stuff like that, and people miming their guitar solos yeah. live. It's, uh, it's, it's a weird place we're at with guitar and music at the moment. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the good thing is, like, I'm starting to see more and more, like, uh, imperfections, like, and just 
for example, I was recently listening to uh, Wolfgang Van Halen's like up. I think he has like six songs out right now. He's putting yeah. out a full album. So the songs are pretty good, actually. By the way, I, I kind of enjoy what he's been putting out, and like. I appreciate the production that, like, for example, the double tracking on those, like guitar-wise, isn't perfect, and it actually it makes it feel like, even though it's like very high production value, like the things like you can hear that the guitars aren't like perfectly timed, and like there's little scratches and things going on on the sides, and so, like because we've been listening to like absolutely perfect guitar tracks for uh, the past decade, I would say, it feels so refreshing. Suddenly, like, it doesn't feel... It, I don't know. There's something about it. Like, a, a Finnish metal band called Arion put out an album recently where, again, like, you can clearly tell it's been played by humans and hasn't been, like, perfectly quantized. There's little bits happening here and there. And it just feels... I don't know. It feels more natural. Yeah, that's music that, that was probably written live and is meant to be played live as well, you know. That's another difference, yeah. I think. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. There's something we, I, yes, more show <laughs> notes for ourselves in our show. Uh, yeah, something that we could discuss more in the future and maybe get a guest as well to talk about this. But we need to dive into one more list or another list. Actually, this article, I don't get how these... Okay, never mind. Basically, this is an article from GuitarWorld.com. 10 best beginner electric guitars in 2021. Learn to play on these epic electric guitars for beginners. And all I have to say is that I actually haven't looked at the list. So as we go through the list, these are my initial reactions. Yeah, mine too. I'm seeing this for the first time. Uh, All right. Number one is the Yamaha Pacifica 112V. Uh, Yeah. I immediately can agree on that. It's like roughly 250 euros at Thoman, it seems. <laughs> the plus point is hugely playable. What does that mean? <laughs> it means it's it's huge. It's yeah. It's I don't think that it means it's huge. I just think it means it's I I don't know. I, I hugely I, playable probably means it feels like great quality and you can do a lot of stuff with it. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I agree. I mean, Yamaha Pacificas are. They're not the most exciting guitar in the world, but they're they're so good, they're so reliable, they sound great, they punch above their weight. And look at some yeah. of the colours you can get. Natural, black, old violin sunburst, red raspberry, silver and sonic blue. Some of those sound interesting. I don't really yeah, like the look of the natural one there that much. That looks like a kit guitar yeah. to me, but... Um, yeah, I was just about to say, it looks yeah. like my Harley Benton T-style kit. <laughs> yeah, exactly, but <laughs> red raspberry, silver or sonic blue... Old violin yeah. sunburst, they, they sound kind of cool. Yeah. I mean, for, uh, for a beginning guitar, that, that, that's great, and I, I like that it's number one. Again, we didn't even like read the criteria. Like, I'm guessing this is the top guitar. Well, it does. Best beginner electric guitar. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just clicking the Toman links, uh, and actually they're more expensive. They're like 330 euros right now. Okay, that, has to, that probably depends on, on where you are. Live. Yeah. Yeah, all the taxes and stuff like that, which makes sense. Uh, number two, Square Classic Vibe 50 Stratocaster. Yeah, a bit more expensive, but Classic Vibes are good. They're like really good guitars that if you're into a Stratocaster type of thing, it's not only that you're getting a very good guitar right away, 
but they're fantastic mod platforms as well. There's a video on my channel where we upgrade the pickups on my friend's uh, classic vibe or like I think it's a classic vibe jazz master. And yeah. he still uses it to the day. We did a recording session with him him using that guitar last summer for an upcoming EP as well. And great guitars. Again, I fully agree. Yeah, me too, absolutely. I mean the the classic vibe stuff just looks it looks so good, you know. Just looking at that picture of that yeah. strat, I love that vintage looking that cl the classic vibe of that sunburst finish the maple neck looks lovely it just that would inspire me so much to pick it up and just play it and i think that's exactly what you want from your first guitar or from you know just a, a more affordable second or third or fourth guitar that you're going to have in your collection it looks fantastic it's and all the classic vibe stuff i've tried plays extremely well indeed for the price and it can be modded to be really 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 good yeah that's the thing that, like i love the fact that Unlike Epiphone, for example, they have exactly the same headstock and everything, so you get that Fender vibe right away. Yeah, really cool. Yeah, exactly. And we talked, I think, last week it was, about a few new classic vibe stuff. Uh, some Esquire tellies that are leasing along. They're also taking some pretty cool decisions when it comes to finishes and pickup configurations. So there's a classic vibe for pretty much every taste. I think they're doing really good things yeah, right now. Yeah. And as a first guitar, how, how good would that be to get a Squire classic vibe 50s Strat as your first instrument? When I think about the first guitars I played back in the day, I'd kill to have had one of those instead. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Number three, PRS SE Standard 24. This is a bit more pricey. Well, they say it's sub for $500. So let me check what it is. Really? Can you get that for under $500? That's astounding uh, value for money. Yeah, for me, it wow. would be 579 euros. Okay. So it's like closer to 600 But again, it depends where you live. I think in US it's probably way more affordable. Yeah, and and used in Europe, I guess you could get one for under five hundred. And yeah, look at that. That looks that looks so much more expensive than it should yeah. be, you know. And you've got you know translucent blue, tobacco sunburst, vintage cherry finish options, two humbuckers but coil splits. You've got probably pretty good hardware, you know, tuners that hold tune, yeah. and a whammy that probably goes back to zero pretty well. I mean, wow. Amazing yeah. value. Uh, Birds on the neck as and well. Actually, yeah, and there's actually like bands uh, and like signature artists that play the SE models. For example, I think Zach Myers from, is he from Shinedown, I think? Yes, exactly. He has, uh, I think, yeah. a couple of different signature PRSs. And actually, Mark Holcomb, he, uh, Misha's buddy true. in Periphery, is a big PRS SE player. And I believe he plays yeah. his SE signature models on stage and in the studio. He's got a baritone and a normal a normal scale six string or seven string, I think. Mm. Yep. That's a solid choice. Like if you can afford that, that's like a semi pro level guitar that is again a fantastic mod platform. Yeah, I mean I think at some point if yeah, you want. Yeah. That one and the classic vibe, I think you, you can start out on them and you can take them as far as you want on your journey. Yeah. All the way to playing it on, you know, fully professional records or at big festivals or whatever. No one's going to know. They're good enough to nope. do everything. Yeah. And I li again, I like the fact that it looks exactly like any other PRS. Like okay, maybe there's a yeah. little bit of difference in the top calf, but not that much. Yeah. So that's cool. Number four is the Epiphone Les Paul Studio. Again, 
I agree. Uh, here's where the difference between a Gibson and an Epiphone does come in, like because of the headstock. Though I do like the new headstock design on the Epiphones a bit more. So, yeah. Yeah, the new Epiphone headstock is really good. A Palferro fingerboard is again just a personal taste thing for me. I would prefer to sure. see rosewood or ebony or something else. But but I mean, if you oil it and take care of it, it's it's doable, you know. Yeah. Again, a, a lot of guitar for the money. Are they really three hundred and seventy euros? Four forty nine for me at Thoman. When I switched to fin Finland pricing. Yeah, let me click the so, link. Yeah, again, yeah, four forty five. Yeah, click cl click the link to see the pricing in your country because otherwise, it's a bit of a guess. Yeah, and again, to everybody watching this, just uh, be aware of the fact that these are obviously all affiliate links on the site yes. that we're clicking. So. Um, Guitar World are under the same banner as Music Radar, part of the Future Publishing portfolio, and they use affiliate ah, links, just so you guys know. Yeah. Yeah, but so far I'm agreeing to the list. Number yeah. five is the Gretsch uh, G2420 Streamliner. Wow. I think this guitar was featured on the other list we talked about as well yeah. a few weeks ago. Yeah, a bit more niche, or like not as all-around as some of the other guitars we talked about, yeah. but yeah, sure. Wow, though. I mean, look at that. And on Toman, when I've just clicked, I see in English pounds, 375. I mean, fantastic. Really? They, they look awesome. They look really, really professional level, you know? I mean, like you say, yeah. the, the Gretsch is not something you would take to play metal with. So in that sense, yeah. you know, the PRS or the Epiphone Paul Studio is something which is more kind of all-rounder in terms of guitar but if you play classic rock and roll or indie or rockabilly or jazz or anything like that pick up one of these and you're going to be set for years and years and years it looks yeah, wonderful these guitars also, yeah these guitars are also very popular in like worship scene yep so that's one option as well if you're in a church band this could be a thing to go yeah the cool thing about these guitars is like they're very different sounding and feel like Sometimes, like, if you have, a, let's say, an acoustic guitar player and, like, somebody plays, I don't know, a Les Paul or a Telios and like that in the band, this would sit perfectly in the mix. This kind of more hollow sound and you can do, like, chord chords on it as well and then it's great for, like, slightly softer lead lines as well. Yeah, cool guitar, but a bit more kind of specific type of sound. Not an all-arounder, I would say. Exactly, yeah. And as they say as well, as their minus point, could be too big for kids. So true. that's probably true. But there are also a bunch of other Gretsch models which would fit into this price point, you know, the Electromatic range, yeah, which are more solid body and are smaller and easier to get the hands around, and even cheaper than this one. So if you want Gretsch, there are other options around. Yeah, definitely. Number six is the Yamaha Revstar RS320. Yeah. Yeah. I, solid, solid choice. Yeah, I mean, we, we talked about the Revstar a couple of weeks ago, didn't we, with Chris Buck, because he's the yeah. he's the guy who's really pushing the Revstar brand and name out there. You, you just don't see many Revstars out in the wild, do you? I don't know why, because they're extremely versatile and extremely good guitars. Every single one I've played at every price point has been really, really cool. But maybe they just yeah. have the same issue that the Pacificas do, and they're just not as glamorous as some of the other brands. Yeah, it has to be that because, I mean, I've I've been really close to getting one as well. Like, at the time I ended up buying a Strat 
from Thoman was when I was like seriously considering a rap star as well because it's a cool guitar. Yeah, a bit unique. It's like an SG meets Les Paul meets something else, but yeah, it's a great guitar for the money. The interesting one that they say about this is um, it has a flat fretboard, and the radius oh. is thirteen point seven five inches. So what? it's a very modern guitar in that sense i think built for more high gain and the humbuckers are hh3 hot humbuckers so that's interesting so it's uh, a really it's a really useful guitar i guess for trying to learn your first guitar solos on because a flat fingerboard is obviously easier to bend strings on than a more rounded yeah. one would be so that's one that i yeah, think it, bit. carry on oh uh, yeah that's i think that Probably makes it a great beginning guitar for anything like rock to metal type of stuff. Yeah, definitely. And because it's hardtailed, it's like fast to go to drop D or anything like that as well. So actually a very solid choice for the list, I'd say. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Number seven, Epiphone G400 Pro SG. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. Definitely. I love SGs. Um, my first... I guess proper electric guitar was an Epiphone Bully SG, which is was a black one, um, more like a special one, a high output one built for rock and metal. But I always was turned on totally by this cherry red SG. It's a classic, you know. Everyone knows Angus Young plays one, but for me there was a, a British band, a Welsh band in fact, called the Stereophonics, who inspired me a lot when I was growing up. They had a couple of albums out in the mid to late 90s, Word Gets Around was their first one. Oops, I've just lost one of my headphones. And <laughs> they were fronted by a guy called Kelly Jones, who's a, an amazing singer, a great kind of gravelly rock and roll voice, and they have a bunch of amazing rock songs. So yeah, try Word Gets Around, their first album, or Performance and Cocktails, their second one. His Gibson Cherry Red SG was all over it, and he was the guy who made me really want to get an SG. And he also introduced me to Drop D Tuning. Tuning. Mm. So there you go. Very interesting. I love the Cherry Red SG. It's so classic. It's so beautiful. Yeah. They're so lightweight. Um, and if you're lucky, they won't have neck dive. Most of the modern ones don't. And on this specific model, you've also got the option to split those pickups down to single coils by the luck of it. You can see the, the stickers around the two volume knobs there. You pull those out, presumably, and you get single coil tones too. So you can basically play anything on that guitar. Full thumbs up from me. Nice. Yeah, apart from the Powferro fretboard, I would like Rosewood. <laughs> I'm going to stop saying that, but yep. just so you guys watching know that I I'm, prefer I'm, Rosewood. Yeah, definitely. Uh, number eight, Squared Bullet Mustang, uh, which they say is the best beginning electric guitar for kids. <sighs> yeah, because of the I short know, scale length. Ah, that's true. That's yeah, 24 it's 24-inch. Yeah, they're, what, 620-millimeter yeah, scale length, so there's only three, four centimeters in it compared to a standard guitar scale length, but that just might mean that the frets are slightly smaller and you can get your childish fingers around them a bit easier. Yeah. 105 and euros. 100 and, yeah, can that, 129 euros can that at one for Finland, at least. Yeah. And it's like... Price-wise, it's also in the price range where, like, if your kid uh, doesn't want to play in the end, like, you, 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 like, you'll be fine. Like, you didn't just invest hundreds and hundreds of euros or dollars into a guitar and then, like, nope, I want to play drums instead. Yeah, exactly. I mean, so, I just click the link and it's 130 euros for me in Germany at yeah. the moment, but that's very, very good value for money. Actually, 
recently on my own channel I just did a review demo of the Harley Benton MS60, which is... Oh, I've lost my other earphone. Both my earphones have fallen out. Okay, the left one's back in. Can you hear me? <laughs> yes, good. I can. All yeah, good. so I got the Harley Benton MS60, and that's uh, a Harley Benton take on the Fender Offset genre of guitar. So it has part of a Mustang in it. It has different Jazzmaster and Jaguar features and stuff. And that's about 150 euros. And that's a similar kind of thing. And what that has is the single coil pickups and the glassy, brittle sounds that people associate with offset offsets. Now, what's cool about this bullet Mustang for me is that it has humbuckers. So it's going to offer kids playing heavier stuff more of an option there. It's going to be more usable on the bridge humbucker because on the MS60, that bridge single coil is really, really glassy. And it cuts through very yeah. well, but it can take your head off too. So, you know, in this sense, I think the Bullet Mustangs are probably a very good choice indeed. And for that price. Yeah, and a, yeah, and a small detail with the humbuckers is also that they compress a bit more, yeah. which actually makes it feel like it's a bit easier to play, which is, again, a good thing. Yeah, and think about these yeah. as a modding platform too. 130 bucks, you can stick other pickups in them, upgrade the hardware, and you've got a perfect gigging machine. Yep. Number nine, Ibanez Gio, G-I-O, G-R-G-R. <laughs> Why is it G-R-G-R? 120X. <laughs> uh, the best beginner electric guitar for metal fans. Yeah, most likely, yes. It it looks to par like what you would want to get as a metal fan. Uh, the only thing I'm slightly worried about is the fact that it has a floating bridge. Yeah which on a guitar in this price range could be kind of bad. So. Yeah, and you could be in for a bit of a tuning nightmare if it goes out of tune yeah. and you need to sort things out. I'm, yeah. I would see if there's a, like a hardtail version of this guitar because, first of all, like as a beginner, swapping strings on a floating bridge is a nightmare. Yep. And again, as we mentioned, there might be some tuning issues. There, I, I'm pretty sure there's some sort of like hardtail version of this. There has to be. There must be. There are so many different Ibanezes out there. But yeah, the, the other thing I would say is you see the minus point on the list there. Appeal is limited to metalheads. This, this is more of a niche guitar in the same way that the Gretsch will attract certain players who want that kind of a vibe. If you want metal, then the Ibanez is is going to be your choice, you know? So in a way that's great for metal people and in a way that's possibly limiting for other people. Yep. And the neck is also probably yeah. tiny on it. On it, It's probably the wizard neck, which is very, very small indeed, which would also make it suitable for kids. But again, if you like a bit of a neck chunk in the hand, you know, the other guitars, the classic vibe and the, the Pacifica are going to offer you more of what you want there. Yep. Number 10 is the Epiphone Dot ES335 semi-hollow body. Very cool. Yeah. That's a cool guitar. That's a bigger guitar again. So, yeah, large body might put off kits was one of them, like the minus point on this one. Yeah. The, but. the 335 is the absolute classic. I mean, you could also go for the 339 if you wanted that body shape and wanted a smaller one. Those are also awesome. But the 335 is another one that you just see it and it takes you to a specific place in terms of music and in terms of styles that you would expect. But on the other hand, as we're going to talk about in a bit with your Ibanez, Vlad, these 
semi-hollow and hollow body guitars are extremely versatile. They will do way yeah. more than most people think. Yeah, definitely. And what's the price I guess on that one? One of the yeah, the, one of the cool things about these types of guitar, guitars is also that because semi-hollow, it's actually kind of fun to play without plug, being plugged in at all. So that's yeah. kind of cool as well. Like you could s sit on a couch and just jam with it. And it's like, I have a semi-hollow guitar and like I, that that's kind of become my uh, go-to couch guitar as well yeah. because it's like, it's loud and it's just fun to play. Yeah. So that's one point as well. But yeah, this has to be the first list where we're like, yep, this makes sense, makes sense, makes sense. And uh, because this is, as you mentioned, like a spawn in a way sponsored thing. Uh, there's no like Harley Benton's or anything like that there. But similar options to these, there's like Harley Benton versions available as well. But and those are also great beginning guitars. But as with these and the Harley Benton's, you probably might want to like include a trip to a guitar tech. Yeah. To the price, because most of these don't come that well set up and there like might be some slight build issues here and there like maybe sharp frets and stuff like that take care of those before you hand the guitar for your kid or for just any beginner and you'll be fine i'm guessing the prs se doesn't have those issues but again that's way more pricey as well yeah exactly i, I would always have the expectation yeah. that a prs would play perfectly from the store um, I have played a couple in yeah. shops that were not perfect, but were still pretty good. The biggest issue I've seen with PRSs in stores is that the necks can be very sticky because they have gloss finishes on the back of the necks. And yeah, yeah if you don't like that, that's, um, that can also be a bit of an issue. But with every beginner's guitar, as with every other guitar, really, budget in a setup when you start, and that will make it way, way better to play. And if it's a kid getting them playing for the first time. If it's not set up well, they'll stop playing pretty much straight away and then you've, you've lost them. So get it set up and have a guitarist for life. Exactly. But yeah, uh, very, very solid list. Yeah, good list. <laughs> well done, Guitar World. Yeah. Thumbs up for I, me. Thumbs up. <laughs> yes. Our review system is very random and <laughs> it appears in some segments and in some it doesn't. Yeah, great list. I think the next thing we want to talk about, speaking of like guitars and stuff, let's... No, wait. There's a very, very positive thing I want to share with you guys. Something that happened by surprise. So let's dive into that first and then move on into the alternative universes of us choosing instruments or something else. In this random segment called Random Positive Thing, uh, there's something really positive that happened today. I had to take my car to service this morning and I was like, okay, I need to drive there. And then like me and my wife checked like a couple of buses that I need to take to get back home because it's, it's uh, like far away enough that I don't want to walk from there. It will take me like an hour to get home and I need to work. And like walking there, like walking home for an hour isn't something I want to do in the morning. And especially because it's like raining outside right now. So I got to the place. The guy who's actually running the workshop said that he would be there later. So I can like throw the car key into like a mailbox or something like that. And he would then 
pick it up there, obviously, and stuff like that. But his dad was there <laughs> this morning, and he was like, hey, where are you going? I can give you a ride. Like, you don't have to take the bus. And, yeah, this repair shop was... <laughs> guys, dad drove me back home this morning, and I don't know. It just... It was such a cool reminder of, like, the stuff you read on the news, because news seems to always focus on negative things. Uh, it's so so awesome to be reminded that this is the real world most people are nice and helpful and like these kinds of things can happen to anyone at any any point like these positive things i don't know it just made me like made my day even though it's it was like fairly early morning so yeah a, indeed a very random positive thing that just happened out of nowhere that's really cool and it's nice to hear that there are nice people out there it's funny but i guess this past year and a half we haven't seen many other people we've all been at home we've all been yeah. on our own and we've been following developments with covid and corona what's going on in the world and it's not been great so just to to get personal interactions like that which are positive it's it's wonderful. I'm looking forward to experiencing some of those once I can go out again, whenever that will be. <laughs> yeah, ex exactly. That that's the thing. Like it it was really nice, and I hope this positivity will carry me through the day and, and more. Uh, I don't know what the bill from that repair will be, but maybe that will kill all of my positivity <laughs> right away. <laughs> but I, I let's see. Yeah, we do have like a like rough estimated what it will cost but man cars those are not positive things like they just cost you money i just had my windshield re replaced that cost money and now i have to do this as well yay, yay cars cars but <laughs> moving on from cars let's talk about alternative universes next All right, the premise for this segment is fairly simple. What would be your instrument or like what would you have loved to be able to play if you wouldn't have picked up a guitar? And I actually kind of had very little time to think about this before I was like immediately like, okay, I know what's my choice, but mm -hmm. I want to hear yours first. Like, was it like, did you have to like really think about it or was it like immediately, hey, hey yeah, this is what I want to do. There's two which immediately spring to mind for me. Um, I'm not going to include singing because I can also kind of do that. Um, so I have two little stories. The first would be that I wanted to play drums very much when I was a kid, but it was too loud for my parents to have one at home, which I understand. I didn't back in the day very much, but I understand it now. And I wanted to join the school drum club. And I remember it happened after school on a Tuesday evening and I was walking up to the music rooms where it was and there were people playing drums and I opened the door and I just had like a, some kind of feeling of fear. You know, I was a shy kid and I turned away and didn't ever go back to the drum lessons. And ever since then, I haven't been a drummer. So that's kind of a regret in a way. I will change that at some point, but I always wanted to be able to play drums because I love groove. I have a good sense of rhythm. And so one day I, I will. But the other instrument would be piano, because that's yeah. just an all-round thing that you can pretty much apply to any style of music. You can write on it really well, and you can impress 
people with a piano very much indeed. You know, if you're a guitar player and people ask you to play something on guitar at a party or something, it's always the same thing. But with a piano, if you're a good pianist, you can do anything. I would love to be able to play the piano. Yep. I, like, my choice is actually very similar, though, like, weirdly enough, uh, I have a history of, like, studying classical piano for years. But, damn it, if you sit me in front of piano, I can't play anything because all of my piano studies were focused on playing, like, looking at the sheet and playing all these classics like Bach and, you know, all the big composers. That's what I was playing. And we never really got into, like, improvising or, like, even being able to accompany myself, like, when singing or something like that. And that kind of killed my interest towards piano at the end because I started to get into pop music and especially rock and metal music. And, like, keyboards and piano are very present in those. But because I had absolutely no way to, like... I wasn't, like, good enough... Like through my classical studies, to be able to even start figuring out the accompanying thing, because I was so like locked in, just reading that music sheet. That yeah, I wish I would be able to do that. And the second thing is, uh, I guess I kind of can play bass, but being a bass player who has like actually devoted themselves to being a bass player. It's such a different thing from uh, a guitar player like me picking up a bass and trying yeah. to do that. And I think I would be would have been invited to so many more bands if I was able to do that. That, yeah, yeah. Uh, being I'll, a real bass player is a is a different thing, a totally different thing from a guitar player picking it up and playing root notes, as yeah, many of us are guilty of. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I want to say that it's not too late for me yet because, like, lately, for example, I've ditched using the pick when I track bass and I've, like, really started to work on my, like, finger-picking technique and stuff like that. And it's been great because it's actually getting better. And, for example, the Wish I Liked indie music uh, single I put out a month, couple of months ago, like, I actually did a bass solo on that one. And so... It's not, yeah. There you go. Not too late. I'm actually waiting for a drum set as well, which should arrive maybe even today. So, wow. Maybe yeah, a, it's, a drum as it's well. It's never too late. It's nope. never too late to learn an instrument. For anyone who's watching this and is, you know, putting it off, just do it. And now is a great time to do it as well. I do wonder how things would have been different, you know, if you'd persevered with the piano or learnt yeah. it in a different way or if I'd actually been a braver 11 year old kid and walked into that drum school instead of just turning around and walking away where would I be now who knows but it's, yeah. it's interesting to think but you know one day I will play drums and one day you will play more bass and everyone watching this if you want to learn something else then just do it yeah it's never too late never yeah. And the thing, like, I also want to remind everyone that you don't have to be, like, the problem with YouTube and Instagram and stuff like that is, like, we watch the people who are absolutely best at what they do. But none of those, like, wibbly-wobbly, shredded things or anything like that they do actually translates into what people actually like, which is, like, great songs and well-played, like, basic things, like, any of us can actually learn those, I think. You can get, you can be a really good guitar player who doesn't do a single solo 
and you can still be incredibly valuable for your band. Same goes for the bass and drums and everything like that. Like, I, I've, as I've grown up, I've learned to appreciate the, like, when your fundamentals are very solid on an instrument, that's all you need. And then you can start have, having lots of fun playing with other people. And that's kind of what I'm aiming for nowadays. Like, I'm okay at a lot of things. I'm not a master at any of those things. And I'm actually starting to enjoy that quite a lot. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, don't don't be watching, you know, the top players on Instagram and thinking I will never reach that, therefore I should never try. I think a lot of those guys are also not that happy. And again, coming back to the Misha thing, there is so much pressure on the people who are seen as the top experts on their instruments. And was it recently, was it Maceus, Mateus Azato? Yeah. Azato, yeah, he he even stepped away from Instagram because of the pressure of being one of the best guitar players and having to constantly put out amazing new bits of music on the platform. You don't yeah. have to be like that at all. If you like, like me, if, if the limit to what you want to be able to play is just, you know, rhythmic rock and roll songs, then you can do it. Yeah. And you should. You should do it. Yeah. That's the thing, like, I've learned to distinguish, like, what's, uh, what's going on with, like, it, it's fun to watch all of these experts of their craft but that's like that's one side of the things the other side of the things are the thousands and millions of uh, musicians who are really good and they actually like they can create the music and play the music they want to play without being able to do the wibbly wobbly i'm getting a phone call as well i'm that i'm going to put on mute right now but yeah i think what we want to do next is to answer some of your questions and comments Questions and comments. Quicksilver, on the last week's uh, Cat Pick Fridays episode, we talked about the HSS guitars and some wiring things about them, and we both realized that we don't know what pots you are supposed to have <laughs> in HSS guitars. So Quicksilver enlightens us by mentioning that HSS guitars are not complicated to wire. You need a 5-way super switch, 500k volume pot, 250k tone pot 1 and a 500k tone pot 2. The trick is to wire the 470k resistor to the 500k volume pot so that when you are using the single coils, the pickups in calls see a 250 volume pot. You also need to add a 0.022 UF. I'm forgetting what, what that means, the UF, but yes, that electricity thing. Capacitor to the second tone pot, which controls the humbucker. And also you need to have a 470k resistor to use the tone pot on the middle pickup. And yeah, basically a very helpful tip of like, how do you wire the HSS guitar? Because I'm realizing I've never wired an HSS guitar. I've wired a bunch of other guitars, but not these. So I know more now. Thank you. Me too. Very useful comment. It's nice to get useful, practical bits of advice like that. So thank you, Quicksilver. Absolutely. Really appreciate that. Yeah, the next question is from Hendrix5757 on the uh, Nobles Audio 1 plugin video, which for some reason has skyrocketed on my channel late recently. I think some Indian gear, guitar gear channel shared it, and I'm getting like tons of views for that video all of the sudden. And I think Hendrix might be one of those guys. 
watching uh, this is a very high quality professionally produced and ed educational video through and through as for the tunes you exhibited uh, the pedal with how were the drum tracks produced were they from a pre-existing jam track virtually programmed uh, tune track get good drums and any other software all recorded live elsewhere thank you uh, yeah, first of all, thank you very much. Appreciate the positive feedback. And I've been using Easy Drummer 2 for, I want to say, almost a decade. Maybe not like exactly a decade, but six, seven years at least. Bought it back in the day and it's been great. Just very, very solid tones. And especially since I learned to mix those a bit more. It's a very nice plugin to have and fairly affordable as well. Hundred and something euros, I think. Hundred and twenty maybe. Something like that. I got an email from Nobles the other day to say it was on offer. So mm. I think it's real cheap right now. I'm gonna Google that. I think it was about thirty euros. Ah, the Nobles. I was thinking plugin. about yeah, buying so, it. Yeah, sorry, I'm I actually wanted to ask you about it. Yeah, I'm talking about the Easy Drummer plugin that is, but yeah, Nobles is oh, very... Oh, sorry. Yeah, Nobles is very affordable, and that's a killer plugin, by the way. Like, for the money, it's killer, and as I demonstrated in the video, you can use it for, like, rhythm guitar tones, like, uh, broken up clean tones, and you can get some fuzzy tones from it as well, and I also used it on the bass. So, yeah, for the yeah, money... Yeah, the plugin's on sale right now. Yeah, $37. Sorry, how much? $37. Yeah. Down from 77 So, yeah. That's a good deal. Yeah, I'm going to put a link in the descri description if you want to check out the video first and also get the plugin because, yeah, highly, highly yep. recommended. And if someone wants to get like a budget friendly drum plugin that does a very solid job, Easy Drummer 2, still good, still relevant. I like it a lot. And the third comment comes from the most blues uh, who cares about Chapman anymore this comment was on the previous Cat Pick Fridays episode and I guess in a way I, even though this might be a slightly like I don't know nosy comment uh, I in a way agree Rob Chapman has kind of disappeared from like this it feels like it. he's kind of disappeared from this like big uh, guitar YouTuber thing a bit in a way. Yeah, I mean, he's certainly not... He was kind of the the made man, the big guy, the big cheese, the head honcho, whatever you want to call him, he was that guy, and he's certainly not anymore. Yeah. He's, um, he's in his Chapman niche. But I just pulled up his channel. He has, you know, 750,000 subscribers. That's a lot of people, and of course, not all of them still care, but if I just look at his recent videos, 10,000 views, 53,000 views, 65,000... 6,000, 11,000. So there are people who care. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, I mean, he's not the force that he once was. And I think, he, t to me anyway, he seems to be happier in his more recent videos. So yeah, remember that's, good for him, if he is. Yeah. Yeah, maybe that's good for him as well. Like, the amount of, like, eyes on him over the past 10 plus years and, you know, stuff like that, it has to be exhausting. Like... Maybe doing your thing on a smaller scale is exactly what he needs as well. So, Yeah, yeah. yeah. And don't forget, he's not he's just doing things on YouTube. He has companies and other creative endeavors that he's involved with. So, 
Yep. And kids. Yep. Which I'm led to believe might be quite a job. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, yeah. If as long as he's happy, all good, I'd say. Yeah. So, I care. Yeah. A bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would say so as well. <laughs> um, yeah, and we always always have to like remind ourselves that if it wasn't for him, uh, we don't know what kind of uh, like YouTube uh, musician the guitarist scene we would have. Like he yeah, exactly. was the I mean, guy who influenced so many others. Yeah, it would be totally different, or it might not even exist yep. in the way that it does. Who knows? So, in, in that sense alone, I have massive amounts of respect for what he did for guitar players over the past decade or so. Yeah, so. absolutely. Next, we want to talk about the guitar thing, uh, which is the Ibanez Semi-Hollow. Actually, you might know more about the model names. We'll dive into that next. There's a loud bird chirping either outside my window or your window. Not sure where it is. And I'm not sure whether the podcast listeners will actually hear it, but I hear it very loudly. Yeah, might be I think my. It's me. Is it you? I've, there's a bird in this garden. Yeah, <laughs> there's it's, a bird in yep. the garden. It's me. Oh well, it's springtime or summertime at some places already, so it's loud. <laughs> Just go with that. I like. I like it a lot. Uh, but yeah, uh, the next guitar after. What was the la- last week's guitar? It was the Tokai Strat. I briefly had a Ibanez. What is this? What's the model? I'm not sure. I don't know exactly. There are so many. Uh, yeah, it, The it, one it, I had was an AS73. And yours looks more expensive because of that. Maybe the color of the burst. Yeah, maybe it's like in the next price tier because this is... Yeah. I remember paying like roughly 400 and something euros for this used. And it came with a case. Okay. Looks beautiful. Like, I think I got this guitar because uh, I was just about to start. I was just starting to build my semi hollow 335. And I kind of wanted to learn how this type of guitar sounds and how it works and stuff like that. And ended up getting this one to try it out and also just make sure that. This is the type of guitar I want to build, or whether I should fo- maybe build a solid body guitar instead. Uh, great instrument, uh, well finished. It definitely got me all of those rock and roll sounds and more. As you mentioned, these guitars are way more versatile than you would think. Yeah, they um, are. I, Did yours have Ibanez pickups, or are they a branded um, pickup? It looks pickup. like there's something written down there. Yeah, I gotta say, I don't remember. It's been. I can't read it, but but anyway, um, they are super flexible and versatile instruments. Perhaps yours is exactly the same model as as my one, but just might be a different finish. It looks yeah. great. Might be, and I don't know. There's something like you forget that Ibanez makes those guitars because when you say Ibanez, you think of like Steve Vai, Satriani, all of those po- pointy guitars that you could like protect yourself with when a bear attacks you or something like that, which is like very possible when Finland polar bear can be right around the corner, as Poo Ninja would know. So, uh, (laughs) yeah. You kind of forget that they do, like they build these kind of guitars, but 
yeah, this semi hollow stuff is great. And again, just looking at this picture, it looks beautiful. Yeah, why did you sell that guitar? I ask you that every single time, but <laughs> why did you sell that guitar? I, I will give a different answer than I don't know. I'm pretty sure, like, uh, I had... I think my telly was finished at this time. I was just about to be finished. So this was like a transitional guitar. And then I had to sell this to get more parts for my own semi-hollow. Okay. Because yep. bu building a telly was uh, fairly affordable. It's uh, like more affordable hardware and stuff like that. But then when it came to the, the semi-hollow one, just the wood parts and everything were already more expensive. And I think I was attending like two guitar building courses at the at the same time as well. So I was doing like a weekly yeah. course and then a monthly weekend course as well. And all that cost money and uh, looking at the floor, this was from a student apartment, so I was still a student at the time. So money was okay. Fun. Simple yeah, as that, really. but that, but that guitar, it looks fantastic, and I think I've realized what it is that makes it look very valuable. Firstly, it's the the finish. Yeah, it, it's a deep, rich burst. I would love to know what the name is, but it's the binding. You know, the binding inside the F-holes, the binding up on the headstock, it looks fantastic. And what also looks great, and what I think might not be original to the guitar, is the knobs themselves, the volume and tone oh, knobs. Oh, that's true. Because they look more like what you'd see on a Gibson 335 or 339, and the ones on my Ibanez hollow body guitar are different. They don't look like that, and they don't look as classy as these knobs so yeah. maybe that's something i should change about mine but this one just looks it looks fantastic i love it i'm yeah. trying to find online now what it could be true yeah uh i remember that this guitar was very easy to sell just this one picture would probably have sold it for a bunch of people right away yeah so, absolutely and i mean like finish wise playability wise all of that was good there's also like my telly and then this guitar and bunch of others that followed were like me transitioning from like very heavy metal or like metal oriented guitars into more classic designs so maybe i wasn't just quite ready for this guitar yet as well so uh, it's but, possible yeah yeah that that could be it exactly i don't know what model it is i don't think it's made anymore but it but it looks really really yeah. nice yeah shouldn't have sold it <laughs> Again, as I tell you every week. Yes, that's the... like, And we still have like my whole amp history to dive into. There's a bunch of these coming up over the next weeks as well. <laughs> because that's how it was for me at the time. Don't ask yeah. me why. Or you can ask me why, but you might get the same answer every time. <laughs> Unfortunately. No, some people just wheel and deal, and some people know, just buy things and don't sell. That's, that's how it is. Yep. Yep, definitely. All right. We'll dive into the weekend watch next and wrap up the show for today. Moving on there now. Watch it. Watch it. Watch it. Watch it. Watch it. Watch it. Video. It's not like you have anything else to do. This week's weekend watch is a live gig or like played live, even though it's very different, difficult to distinguish from that kind of music, whether it's live or not. But we're talking about like 
the band Pendulum, which are these uh, drum and bass, uh, I don't know how to call their music, drum and bass, something, something, electronica type of music. They're playing in this cool speed bank fourth, so, which is somewhere. Maybe I should have done the <laughs> research and figured out where that actually is. But like a fourth in the middle of a lake or an ocean or something like that R- looks really cool. And as I mentioned, a friend of ours, Perry, plays guitar in that band. And it's kind of cool to try to spot where, like, what kind of guitar parts he does because he uses a bunch of effects and kind of does all these cool things with his guitar in that show. So I just found it really interesting. As we mentioned last week, we probably need to get him on the show and just, like, pick his brain on, like, how does he design his sounds for that type of music. Because to me, it's a complete mystery coming from like a traditional rock and metal background. Yeah, Perry would be an amazing guest. So. It was great to hang out with him for a week and just kind of learn a bit about how you approach making guitar sounds in a band which is predominantly electronic and drum and bass, even though Pendulum is a live band. Yeah. And how to do it so successfully, because they are huge. Like yeah. They headline pretty much every festival yeah. they're a part of. They play massive shows all around the world, and, and people love them. And I think not that many people realize that there is an amazing guitar player in that band. You know. So yeah, Perry would be a great yeah, guest. Yeah, and it's not like he could like he could do all the like traditional guitar stuff as well. That that's the cool thing about him. I like uh, there's a jam like this kind of solo collaboration thing from that event where we hung out at, and his solo definitely stands out from everyone else. Just the way he approached it was, which was really cool. Like this double checked chord type of thing, really really cool stuff. I'm going to put a link in the description for that as well, if you want to. Yeah, check again, it out. Perry Perry but is yeah. not like one of those traditional shredders in a way. I mean, he can play. He can play everything. He's a professional guitar yeah. player, toured with Natalie Umbrulia and many other huge bands from the 90s up to now. But everything I've seen him play up close and personal and on your track and on the Hughes and Kettner Black Spirit 200 track was so melodically driven and written with the backing track and with the idea of the song Evolution in mind. He's a very, very yeah. interesting person as a musician and an artist and as a person as well so yeah let's get him on the show and yep. find out what makes him tick yes definitely but yeah something really different and interesting to check out uh, just try to like try to spot like what happens with the guitar and like those different sections of the songs i think it was really interesting to see and yeah we need to get him as a guest on a show soon but that wraps up the get big photos episode number 17 thank you so much for watching and listening like share this with your friends who you might think would love this as well and by the way thank you for your response for the previous episode because it has absolutely skyrocketed compared to any other episode we've done there's like a very nice momentum going on with the cat big fridays stuff so thank you for that and yeah as always Links below to everything we've talked about here in the description. And have a great weekend. Or if you're watching this on Monday, have a great weekend (laughs) as well. Something like that. And what has now become our signature greeting? Bye, podcast. Bye, podcast. (laughs)